Hello and welcome to the D2C Podcast. I'm Eric Dick. Today, we ride again with Cody Plofker and Eli Weiss from Jones Road Beauty. This wide-ranging conversation covers the intersection of growth and customer experience with one of the fastest-growing, most exciting D2C brands out there. We'll cover Cody's top thumb-stopping strategies and why whitelisting continues to dominate. We'll talk with Eli about the CX scores that he's most proud of and why pizzazz and personality lead the way on his team. We play incrementality and attribution bingo, discuss the anatomy of Hero's amazing $600 million acquisition, and learn how coming on the D2C podcast pretty much guarantees a promotion to CMO. This one was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoy it. On with the show. At any platform, anytime when you can, you should strive to be as native to the platform as you can. If you're running newspaper ads, you shouldn't be doing this beautiful on-brand graphic. It should be like text-based. Sometimes you actually want to get read and get attention by fitting in and not looking like an ad. I do think it matters who you're whitelisting through. A lot of people, they don't really think it matters at all that the person has an audience or is well-known. It's absolutely important. You're just borrowing credibility of people that your audience would kind of look up to and trust. We've got one or two influencers who crush it for us and we have them on a retainer. Instead of spending 500 bucks here, 500 bucks there, we're taking that budget and going a little bit deeper with one creator and that seems to be the thing that's working best for us right now. Did you know that the subscription market is predicted to grow to over $2.6 trillion by 2028? As a fast-growing area in commerce, subscriptions hold tremendous opportunities to build a community of customers who share your values. Recharge is the leading subscription management solution helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale subscription offerings. Recharge powers the growth for over 15,000 subscription merchants and their communities, turning one-time transactions into long-term customer relationships. Whether you're a direct-to-consumer business or an omni-channel brand, merchants who use Recharge are able to experience predictable revenue, increased customer loyalty, and higher average order values. So turn transactions into relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. Get started today with the subscriptions payment solution trusted by over 50 million consumers worldwide by heading over to rechargepayments.com forward slash DTC. Hello and welcome to the D2C podcast. Today, I am super lucky to be joined by the power duo of Cody Plofker and Eli Weiss from Jones Road Beauty. First of all, Cody, I think on the last podcast, uh, I, you were a marketing, you were the director of marketing. I'm like, get this man a promotion. I see you're now the CMO. So I guess Bobby listens to the podcast. Is that right? Or you could have done it on your own accord, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I can't I can't confirm or deny if she listens or not, but take that with what you will. But I, I guess I owe you the promotion. So thanks, Eric. Yeah, anytime. I'm not going to say it was the podcast appearance with Eli that really like launched you into the stratosphere uh, as this uh, master of CX retention, but congratulations on the role with Jones Road Beauty. How has it been since joining Eli? It's been a, it's been a blast. I mean, when I was looking for my next role, the couple of kind of things I was looking for was a great company, cool people, and something that would be a lot of fun. And I think Jones kind of fulfills all of those. We have two out of three. We have two. two, <laughs> two out of we'll three. take two out of three. But I, I mean, like that's the thing is where I'm at in my career. I just want to have a really good time doing it. And and obviously that's like a fantastic operation with great co-founders and a great team. So it's been a total blast. You guys have been blowing up, having a lot of fun. I see your Down to Chat e-commerce podcast, which seems like it's, I haven't actually had a chance to listen yet, but I will. I hear I hear it's awesome. You got you got some big support for some big people out there. How's how's the podcast life going? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's been a lot of fun. And we just finished actually recording our 12th episode. So we were doing a season, one season of 12 episodes. And I'm about to have a baby in two weeks. So we'll put it on hold for a little bit, kind of, you know, indefinitely, but we'll definitely pick it back up. But it's been a lot of fun. We've had great guests, probably some guests that you've had on. We've had Amanda Goats, um, Nick Sharma, you know, our friend Trey, some some really incredible guests and excited to to kind of have some more. But yeah, any, uh, the feedback's been good, which has been awesome. I mean, the the kind of reason why we started that podcast is, you know, we were inspired by some others, like my first million that are just like very conversational. And, and we wanted to have something that was less like questions being tossed at, at amazing founders and more conversational, something that you wish you're in a, com- you, you wish you're in the room having that conversation with them. Um, that was kind of the goal. Some of the conversations were maybe you'd say a little too casual. Some conversations were fiery and fun, but I think it's been it's been a lot of fun. I think it's a, it was my first time kind of getting on the other side of the table and seeing what a job you have, Eric. So 
I love this idea of seasons. I like, I'm just doing these things indefinitely, like year round. This idea of seasons is like, whoa, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> Gives you a little break. Gives you a little break. That's right. Um, Eli, let's start with you. Just, I, I'm just curious, whenever someone jumps into a new company, into a new brand, can you talk a little bit about some of the moves you've made on the CX retention front since you joined Jones Road? Yeah, I think the biggest misconception when people join a new brand is they just want to fuck shit up immediately. They just want to like come in and change things and, and kind of just, here, let me put my special touch. And what I found is that you know Jones Road is a great example of a brand that started year one, they did eight figures, right? And, and the way Bobby describes it is like, we're clearly doing some things right. You know, she's like, we're, we're clearly not doing anything you know, big time wrong. So for me, as somebody that came from soda, came from luggage, came from a bunch of different D2C verticals, it's like more about... Can I sit, listen, relax, learn before making any big moves? You know, the, the largest kind of change for me was coming from a pretty small CX team to a larger CX team, more tickets, more chaos, just like a busier environment. We're just doing a crazy amount of orders. And, and most of it for me was kind of bringing the team together and, and creating a, a culture on a CX team. I think CX is a super difficult job and having kind of a group of people that team up together and kind of take it one day at a time is important. And on the retention side, again, you know, Jones Road hired uh, Joanne, who's an incredible marketer. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the best retention people in the space, somebody I dreamed of working with. And now it's like, you know, we have this, the list size is, is the largest I've ever seen in my career in terms of like how, how massive potential um, there is. And it's like, okay, how do we kind of harness uh, things slow down and kind of be intentional. And the last thing is, this is like a straight D to C operation. I came from Olipop, which was like 70, 30, 60, 40 retail. You know, it was much more retail, kind of omni-channel. And this is just, this is me in, the, in a sandbox. It's just like, we have all the data, we have every customer interaction, every kind of, it's a blast. I mean, it's, it's just been, it's been a pleasure. I'm curious on like the macro trends level when it comes to like cohorting your users. I remember you're both just, I think, pretty next level when it comes to things like attribution, when it comes to this analytical side of things. I'm just curious, what tools are you using to like really parse up your audience and really understand your sort of things like cohort LTV, for instance? So obviously for attribution, we use Northbeam and they, they, you know, pretty incredible for obviously all of our kind of ad uh, attribution. So I think if you're scaling and you're trying to be eight figures and above, it's definitely the best in my opinion. But we use a tool that not enough people talk about. It's called Peel Insights. To me, it's probably the best tool that I've used kind of in the space because it, to me, it's kind of the, the combination between like a CDP. So having like a ton of kind of customizations, having to really be able to really run anything you want. But also having, you know, not needing a, a whole data science team to kind of be able to support it and run it. So it's amazing for, you know, a large brand like ourselves paying like 1200 a month and being able to see like all this different LTV cohorts by pretty much any type of, you know, cohorting and segmentation that you, you could possibly think of. And, you know, we've pretty much thought of it by product purchased, by source, by channel. Eli, I don't know anything else by store, like by by in in person retail store. We we look at that a ton. So Peel's been awesome. Yeah, I mean the 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 only thing I'd add to that is when I joined Jones, the first thing I was seeing is that we, you know, coming from a space, you know, like soda or or luggage, there aren't that many options, right? It's like choose whatever flavor you think you might like or choose whatever luggage you like most. With with beauty, it's a it's a space that people trend, you know, traditionally have been trying it on in store. So having people purchase online is is quite a shift, especially that some of our some of our customers are a little bit older and not used to purchasing anything online, period. So Shade matching was a big kind of thing that we we stepped into. We used quizzes from Octane to kind of, you know, a, a majority of our traffic comes through that quiz, but we were offering shade matching via CX. Um, so we have registered, you know, kind of like certified makeup artists. I don't know if registered is the terminology there, but <laughs> makeup artists on our team, and they, they are... Uh, you know, amazing CX people as well as makeup artists, and they were kind of helping people. You send in a selfie of yourself, and they tell you what to purchase. And that's like one of those things that you can't really scale. And the question that Cody and I had, you know, pretty early on is like, is this worth it? Like, is it worth us kind of dedicating the time and the bandwidth and the resources to offer this as an option for people that want? And, you know, that was one of the things we used Peel for, and we were able to track that the LTV was like 90% higher over six months. And like, seven, Which was like crazy, insane. like stupid, no-brainer. Yeah, that is crazy. It's because you're developing that, like, connection, right? Like, just by going that extra mile, doing that, the shade matching, essentially, it, the, the hypothesis is you're building that relationship on a, on a more personal foot, so you'll have better LTV. 
It's the it's that, and it's also the you know removing the largest objection. The largest objection is I'm going to buy something that might not work, and you know a quiz is not a bad place to start. But having like a, an actual human look at it and say like this is your thing, aside from the relationship building, is is probably the biggest unlock. And yeah, to your point, it's like we have people that reach out three months later saying like Hey Sydney, you helped me shade match for the last product. I just finished it. What should I buy next? So it's almost like this concierge personal shopper relationship over a longer period of time, and we've continued scaling that. So now that's part of like our abandoned cart funnel, right? It's like in that in that flow, it's like if you haven't purchased next amount of time, a message comes from Sydney saying like, hey, I'm the CX lead and, and a makeup artist. If you need help shade matching, send back our, you know, send back a photo and we can be doing a thousand plus of those a week. So it's it's a wild operation, but it 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 works and, and it's thanks to Peel that we we know it works. But yeah. Cody, when you were last on, you mentioned that, and I think it's something I repeated to a bunch of guests actually on the podcast was that you were running, I think, all of your traffic at the time uh, on TikTok to this quiz as part of their user experience. Is that still, is that held out? Yeah, and it's it's now all of our Facebook traffic. It's all of our YouTube traffic. Uh, it's, it's pretty much all of our traffic. That's kind of one reason why. So A, it just performs super well. We run it to, to a landing page before the quiz. We've tested uh, different styles, kind of, you know, listicle, five reasons why style. Versus what you know, what I call call a Trojan horse, which is more I call it that because it's like a standard landing page, but it looks more like a homepage at first glance. But it's kind of like a homepage for your product, kind of leads to either a PDP or, or us to a quiz. But it's got like a header, it's got a standard hero, but the header it's a faux header, so like the links on it scroll down to different sections on the page instead of linking elsewhere. It's got like a sticky CTA on the on the top. The hero kind of is a standard you know e-commerce website hero, so it looks more familiar to to people like like they're landing on a homepage. But again, a homepage is not perfect and ideally curated for paid social. So it lands to that go and goes to quiz. And we've tested pretty extensively. Not only is, you know, your, your one day click kind of CPA better, but we're also able to get all of these emails, um, which has just been an, an amazing incremental unlock. And it's, you know, our list is coming up on close to a million people. And it's it's a giant reason why. Big Clavia bill, huh? Yeah, <laughs> I, we actually just got subscribed, uh, just got like um, updated into the next tier. And I was like, yeah, big one, but total, <laughs> nice. totally worth it. Uh, Eli, on, with a million person list, what what's going on? How, how, how's your how's your segmentation looking these days? Anything anything innovative happening on the segmentation side of that list? I mean, this is this is jo- Joanne is is a is an absolute wizard, and when it comes to segmentation, it's always like you know Cody's the push and the pull between like are we segmenting too much or are we not segmenting enough? And I think I think that's the healthy relationship between a retention team and a growth team is like what is the perfect space? Like if you're if you're segmenting too much, maybe you have a great experience, but you're not you're not pulling in as much revenue as you could be. So we're always kind of push and pull. Some of the some of the creative stuff that Joanne has pushed forward has been if we have customers that rated Miracle Bomb one star or two star, kind of like excluding them from future campaigns, which is a great CX play, obviously great for your for your list growth, et cetera. But I've in, in the last couple of months I've seen quite a few clavios and most people are just sending every single email to the master list, right? It's like there's almost never an email that comes out of our our account that goes to a master list. You know, it's it's a lot of engage 90, engage 30, engage 60. We're also thinking about, you know, more broadly we're thinking about what is the ideal customer journey. So we've we've spoken about this in the past, but Miracle Balm is like our number one kind of hero product, and it's it's a somewhat more you know it, it demands somewhat more education around you know how to properly use it. It's not something people are familiar with as a category creator, like Cody says. And it's like you know we have that as this kind of first purchase, but ideally, where do we go from there? Like you know, face pencil is a great example of a product that it's a pencil concealer. Everyone loves it. You know, it's like, so do we drive people there? Our mascara is super high rated. So it's, it's you know, we're thinking about what is the ideal customer journey and we're thinking about like, what is the fine balance? You know, I've, I've been on record as saying I hate cross-selling and I hate upselling. I think most of the time it comes across very cringe and kind of like over the top needy. And it's like, what what's the Jones Road method? Like, how can we figure out kind of almost predict what you'd want to purchase next? And then kind of sell that to you so it feels like we are your personal, kind of this personal shopping experience on steroids. That's what I've been thinking about is like, how can we kind of ascertain what somebody might, you know, fall in love with next after they've purchased, you know, and that's kind of the the goal of a a longer term CDP is like, if we can see you've purchased X, you've loved it, you've purchased Y, you've hated it. Now use AI to predict what you might like, you know, based on our hundreds of thousands of purchases in the last year, people that hated this and loved that, what would they 
like next, right? So it's like really getting strategic as, as what we're pushing because we have a ton of SKUs, right? So it's like if we push everything, they purchase nothing. So it's like how can we be thoughtful and we're constantly iterating, you know, the quiz flow, the post-purchase, like we are almost at a million person list and we haven't kind of nailed down an amazing post-purchase flow. So, you know, when you think about how, how much that can unlock, that's bonkers. So it's early. You were mentioning a CDP earlier. You mentioned Peel Analytics. Peel is not going to be the tool that does what you just described there, where it allows you to like really isolate down on customer journeys and be like, people who behaved this in their first five minutes on the website went on to do X, Y, Z. So therefore, this is their customer journey. Is, is Peel will Peel help with that, or is there something another tool you'll need for that? To a certain extent, I think Peel will get us some of the data. I think it's 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 the automation that I'm looking for at a certain point, where it's like you know we we can have a tool that's working in the back and and making those decisions and then pushing pushing the messaging towards that customer without us jumping in and collecting cohorts and pulling cohorts and all that. And I might be describing the next, you know, incredible tool that's made, but um, I think that's just an unlock that most most brands that have gotten to a substantial size have a ton of data. I mean, for us, we have a majority of our customers are going through the quiz. So we have this zero-party data that's like, we know what you love, we know what you dislike, we know what might be the perfect fit, and we're using that to the best of our ability, but I think we can be doing even better. So hopefully in the next, like, couple of months, we kind of step up on that and and we have kind of better data to report but I'm I'm really excited. Let's it's, let's we need some hot takes here uh Cody. I saw recently He's your guy. You, what do you got? Yeah, Cody's got? the master of hot takes. The one that I enjoyed was that uh creative fatigue is no problem. You just need to make better ads. Uh, you yeah. know, just straight up make better ads. But I but I I went through a bunch of your posts and was looking at you, 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 there's a lot of great insights I think you have on like what makes great social ads these days. I wanted to start with your comment about how you were finding, I don't know if it was nine times out of 10, eight times out of 10, that whitelisted or dark posted ads, which are ads that are posted through the handle of the influencer creator rather than your brand's handle are what's working best still. Can you confirm this is still the case? Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. If anyone doesn't know whitelisting, it's when you run ads through, you know, an influencer is a creator's page. Uh, you can also run it from your founder's page. You know, obviously we have a well-known founder, but I would say, even if you don't, I know brands that don't have a well-known founder, they're running it through their, their founder's page. Absolutely. For us, nine times out of 10, we will always test same creative works better. My reason why, you know, just general social advertising at any platform, anytime when you can, you should, you should strive to be as native to the platform as you can. Meaning if you're running newspaper ads, you shouldn't be doing this beautiful, again, like on brand looking graphic. It should be, and I used to run these for like when, when I owned a local business, it should be like native, like it's called an advertorial, but like text-based, you know what I mean? Because it just doesn't look like an ad. And that's kind of your hook. Like I say, sometimes the best hook is no hook. Because sometimes instead of trying to, to stand out, sometimes you actually want to get read and, and get attention by kind of fitting in and not looking like an ad. So I think that's just like sp split second, like, oh, this is not a brand page. Or like, this is a brand I'm going to not look away. I'm going to look away versus that split second, like, oh, this is a creator. What's going on is enough to kind of hook somebody and start it. I also think there's just a lot more trust and believability in there. The one thing I think this is kind of another controversial hot take. I do think it matters who you're whitelisting through. A lot of people, you know, they'll work with content creators and, you know, influencers, whatever. And they don't really think it matters at all that, that the person has an audience or is well known. And I absolutely do. We've tested a ton and it, it's absolutely important. I think that you, you get a, the reason for this whitelisting, like some brands that do a great job, but like Tonal does a pretty good job. Ritual does a good job. Seed Probiotic is probably the, the best that I've seen at it. Uh, Masterclass even does a ton of it, right? And you're just borrowing credibility of people that your audience, people in your audience would kind of look up to and respect and trust. So I, I, I think it matters. So that's kind of the game for us. In addition to Baba, we've got one or, one or two, you know, influencers who uh, crush it for us and we, we have them on a retainer. But we're looking to grow that. And instead of, you know, spending 500 bucks here or 500 bucks there, we're kind of taking that budget and going a little bit kind of uh, a little bit, you know, deeper with with one creator. And that seems to kind of be the, the thing that's working best for us right now. I like it. I've heard I've heard the, the, the diverse take, which is UGC you just need to fill the funnel and you get user generated content. It's less about uh, that person's influence. But this is like a middle path because you're either, you know, you're sort of saying, OK, you, I want that influencer and their audience. You're not necessarily interested in their audience. I'm sure you probably there. You're reaching their audience, but it's really just about their credibility as an individual on these platforms rather than their reach like it used to be in like traditional advertising. For sure. Absolutely. Exactly. The way I look at, you know, uh, any types of paid content, you're really just trying to amplify what would probably work organically, you know? So I, I do think 
that you know you're you're not doing it for their audience. You're obviously using the paid media for the ampli amplification, but of the messaging that would work organically. So I do think it's important that they have credibility and also that it's really authentic and they're a really true believer, you know? Like any influencer marketing, if you're paying to post, you know, authenticity is the most important thing. And if the person doesn't really love the products, it's super clear. I think same thing is in ads. So when you're hiring a content creator off one of these platforms and they're just saying, I'm obsessed and I'm so excited and you can tell in their face, that's not really how they're feeling. It's just not gonna work nearly as well. Uh, yeah, you need that that real underlying excitement. So what does your budget split look like for like things that are whitelisted, dark posted to actually just things coming from Jones Road Beauty? Are you finding it's more like the, more of your budget is being spent on, on these things? And my next question would be, does it matter where in the funnel? Like, do you want to like, you know, introduce people to your product through other people's handles? But when it comes time to make the sale, you're driving to your own handle or is that sort of irrelevant? Let me look. I, I think we probably have like two ads from our page right now, from our brand page. So, so that would kind of answer it for you. Um, I would say majority is coming through Bobby's, but we've also got kind of two or three other creators that we're, we're running a, a good amount of spend and finding some scale on. It's so funny. I'll get like LinkedIn, you know, cold messages and it'll be like, Cody, I had a look at your Facebook ad library. Looks like you don't know what you're doing. You're not running very many ads. Let me fix that for you. That's hilarious. Uh, um, Okay, so it's the second part to the question. Um, so personally, I, I hate absolutes. This is what works for us. We're, we're not currently doing any retargeting. We run very simple account structure. One CBO broad ad set in that is kind of our scale. That's like 60% of our budget. One CBO with multiple ad sets split up by angle. That's our creative testing. All of that is going to everybody except excluding purchasers, pixel data, as well as Klaviyo. So there's really no retargeting. So for us, we'll kind of just put in there and, and, and allow Facebook to kind of allocate it. Theoretically, I do love uh, leading to the brand page or, or you know top of funnel prospecting with brand stuff and then retargeting with social proof with, with whitelist because you get this incredible feeling of social proof. 8sleep is another brand that does it. I remember when I was in the market for an 8sleep, I just got this, and I know what they're doing. I just got the sense of like, wow, everyone is using this. It just feels like you're seeing it everywhere and, and you want to see it everywhere. So... Uh, theoretically, I love that, but if you're not finding retargeting to work, I'm totally fine with, with doing it prospecting or full funnel. I have a few more questions about uh, more on the copy side, the hook side, but I want to talk a little bit more about CX first with, with Eli here. I noticed you were touting some scores recently. And so, you know, I, I work, uh, you know, with DSC, a media company. We're also in partnership with Pilot House and Agency. But really, we, we don't do a lot on the back end customer side, on the, the satisfaction scores and things like that. So I'm just curious if you'd walk us through your recent win when it comes to sort of scoring the performance of your customer experience and maybe what other brands could be looking at in order to get a benchmark. Yeah, I mean, I think the the kind of broader message that I've gotten over the last like six to twelve months in talking to brands is, you know, the kind of the place that people are judging their success on is like how fast they're responding, um, and that's something I consistently talk about. Is like if you've ever been blown away from a brand, it's, it's definitely not just from the speed of the response. I think you know brands need to make you feel something, and, and we talk about the same when it comes to marketing and branding, et cetera. It's, you know, customer experience is part of that, is part of that marketing customer journey, and I think you need to feel something more deeply, um, and it's not just response time. So you know, for us, what I was excited about is that you know, we send this kind of CSAT score after every single ticket on Gorgeous, and we had 43% of our of our customers were filling out that survey. From a regular brand, you'll probably see less than 10. Um, what that means is that people are feeling like we're going above and beyond and being personable and being human and being you know real. Most of these surveys have comments, and most of the comments are calling out specific people on the team. What that means is that people, you know, our customers are taking an extra 30 or 60 seconds out of their day to make it make it known that they had a memorable experience. And I think that that's you know, a testament to the team, but it's also, in my opinion, the future of great CX is is personability. It's not the kind of bland, canned response. It's more, you know, like we have nine people on the team. Every single one of them has a completely different voice. You know, we have what we consider like on brand is being kind. You know, that's on brand. Being empathetic is on brand. Um, in terms of like your tone of voice, I would like for you to know that you're talking to one person versus the other, and that's kind of what makes these experiences memorable. We we try to break the script and and kind of do things differently, but I think that's the that's the bragging you're you're referring to. 
Yeah, your 90-day CSAT score of 4.93. And sorry, what's a CES score then of 93 out of 100? Yeah, so basically the gist of of CES, which is customer effort score, is, you know, I was put onto this by a book called The Effortless Experience by Matt Dixon. And essentially the the goal of great CX, according to, you know, a bunch of Harvard studies, is that, you know, giving the most frictionless experience possible and, and customer effort score is essentially surveying how easy was it to get your issue resolved today. So it would be in the signature of our email. It says, Eli made it. Or Jones Road made it simple to get my issue resolved today, and you can choose from strongly agree to strongly disagree, and the choice is in the middle. And essentially, 93% of our customers are saying that they they strongly agree that it was simple. So for us, it's like, how can we, if you're asking about a return, how can we direct you to the correct link and give you your order number? Kind of make sure you don't have it, have to do any extra steps to get your shit resolved. And we use a tool called Retently to track that, um, you know, as well as NPS. And NPS is another great example of a of you know one of those things that marketers are, are very excited to shit on. Um, you know, it's like NPS is not worth it. You get nothing out of it. And and like everything else, it, it depends. Um, if you're asking, you know, from a scale of zero through ten, how likely are you to refer us to a friend? Just a number won't do anything for you. I think the unlock is asking the secondary questions. Like, what was this score based on? Was it the customer service? Was it the shipping and delivery? Was it your website? Was it the product? Was it price? Was it value? So really kind of asking these secondary questions and acting on them. So, you know, we get tens of thousands of these scores and we we follow up with most of the negative ones and and when we have the bandwidth, we're following up with the passives and the promoters and everything in between. So it's it's really kind of being hawkish on all this stuff and, and obsessing over the minute details. Are you, have you created a, a pipeline for all of these communications? Cause this is, I think this is a challenge for a lot of brands that take in a lot of data. Even us, like when we, when someone subscribes to the newsletter, we ask them some questions and it's like once a week I go, like I know our content people are looking at it a little bit more, but once a week I go in and just kind of scan it to see what's on people's minds. Do you have a pretty good pipeline going for customer communications to flow through to the ad side of things? So you're getting hooks in there that are, that are fresh. So on the Retently side, they have a, a very kind of cool Slack integration that every single NPS score comes into a Slack channel. So our kind of growth team is looking at that, um, you know, to kind of learn what people love about our product. Sometimes you'll find that the things that you think are your kind of core competencies of your product are not what customers are seeing. And, and on the flip side, obviously, it's like, what are the negative things? So that's important. So we have that Slack channel that our team, both on the CX and the growth side, can can look at it at any given time. And then every single NPS PS score comes in as a ticket on gorgeous and we have the team kind of scanning it to make sure that if it warrants a response or deserves a response, we're responding. And then we're kind of, I'm pulling a weekly report of our NPS score, you know, week over week, kind of a whole bunch of analytics that I share with the team weekly. And then on a qualitative side, I try, you know, on, on the Get board meetings every couple of weeks. I'll try to kind of give a qualitative, like, how do I feel this launch went, or how do I feel the broader customer sentiment is based on the thousands of reviews that have gone through my brain over the last couple of weeks. So, it's kind of all over. But um, I hope that answers your your basic. Yeah. I think so, I get it. D2C marketers, let's get real. How many hours have you wasted searching for brand influencers only to come up empty-handed? It's time to stop spending time searching, scrolling, and haggling with influencers and start using creator marketing with Hashtag Paid. With Hashtag Paid, you can find your perfect creator match for your brand in less than 10 minutes every time. Getting started is easy. Just select your audience and campaign objectives, pick from a short list of creators, and hit run. It's just that easy. There's a reason why Hashtag Paid is the number one rated influencer marketing platform for D2C brands. And as a D2C podcast listener, you can even get up to $500 in account credit until September 30th for your first campaign. Just go to go.hashtagpaid.com slash DTCpod to get started. Back to ads. Back to uh, just bouncing between customer experience and as the age old struggle here, but uh, just wanted to, uh, you know, back in the name of making better ads, beating fatigue, you, uh, you've got some positions on the copy that goes into ads and how you actually make what actually the anatomy of a good ad. I'm curious what, just about thumb stopping right now, like what are you doing these days that's working in the thumb stopping area? And like, how do you define a, the thumb stopping aspect of an ad? Yeah. So thumb stopping aspect is obviously what's going to get somebody's attention. I mean, most people are measure, you know, thumb stop ratio is a custom metric, you know, three second views divided by impressions. So what percentage of people that see your ad are going to stop for at least three seconds? 
And again, it, it you can't be clickbaity because it you don't want to just stop somebody and then lose them. It's got to be relevant. But you you do have to try pretty hard to to get attention. Um, so th there's a few different kind of ways to go about and think it. But this is again one thing I think you just have to obsess over making great ads because that's going to be the the biggest lever and unlock for you know your your ad performance. Um, there's a few different ways to think about it. You can have visual hooks, so you know you can have something that's going to capture somebody's attention just by what they see. Uh, you can have an audio hook, or you can have both. Uh, and and I think you should be testing both. You know, every ad, what we do is every single new kind of concept we run, we'll, we'll test that with, uh, once we kind of know a concept is, is worthwhile to test, we'll test that with between like eight and 15 different hooks, not all at the same time, but kind of just like over time over the course of an ad. And we'll just test over and over and over, changing nothing else about that ad except for the hook. So we'll really get an idea. So for us, uh, you know, definitely, Audio hooks work, especially if it's Bobby or if it's a content creator. You know, you, there's two ways to think about it. You can go, you can go positive. You know, you can go again. This, I'm not saying we would exactly do this, but I'm so excited. Or you can go negative. I don't like. Uh, I don't love. Uh, I was worried. That kind of stuff works really well, especially in UGC or, or a founder story. Uh, and then you can also do the, um, you know, curiosity works great. So asking a question, like Lomi has done a, a great job of this with their YouTube ads. Asking a question is great. Anything that you can do for curiosity. Uh, so a question is great. Also, anything that's paradoxical. If you can pair two things that don't necessarily go that well together, that can really, again, just strike some curiosity. So that's kind of frameworks for thinking about kind of, uh, um, you know, verbal hooks. And then um, in terms of kind of visual hooks, uh, you know, you want to just do a pattern interrupt. Just anything that you think is going to catch somebody's attention is, is just going to kind of, again, make them break their pattern and, and stop them from scrolling. So, you know, close up, general rule of thumb, closer up does better. Contrast does well. Um, movement does well. You know, so I would test things like for us, product close ups do really, really well. Um, you know, like sticking a finger in it and kind of that, that kind of stuff. It just does really well. We'll test a lot of movement. So we'll test, uh, you know, zooming in and, and out, um, reversing clips going, going kind of reverse and stuff like that. And you never know what's kind of catch, but, but just testing a bunch of that stuff has, has been a big unlock for us. I just did a podcast uh, the other day with Songfinch, which is a, a client of Pilot Houses, and they, they're they're talking about their three million dollar month they did in August. But all of their ads, all of their ads do well. They're they're a business where you input a bunch of information, and then their artists will create a one of a kind song for those people based on their parameters, and then they. Oh wow! But the ads, all of their ads, the only ads that work really are called reveals. So it's 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 someone presenting their song to someone, and them both crying or something like that. And so I was trying to think of like yeah that I, that concept of reveals and how other brands could potentially use reveals, whether it's a makeover or something like that. I, I think I just I think it's an interesting thing to think about. Like if that revealing aspect really hooks people, there may be ways to apply it to other brands. I think in general, you just have to think more like a, a content creator. You have to think more like Mr. Beast and less like an advertiser for paid social ads. So you have to be thinking, how am I going to get somebody's attention? How am I going to keep their attention? So you have to do things like jump cuts, heartbeat method, kind of cutting every, you know, second or a few seconds, uh, zooming in, zooming out, all that stuff to kind of keep attention and just get your watch time better. But also if somebody doesn't buy from your ad, you, they should be given value. I think so many of, of, especially with how good algorithms are, so many paid social ads are, are kind of like value extraction and you're trying to just say, hey, buy this thing, 20% off, buy it. And you're trying to get value from the platform. I think you need to give value to the platform and you have to think more like this is organic content that even if somebody doesn't buy, they're going to do that. And again, it's still direct response. I think this is a mastery. So many people are so binary and it's either like, I'm a direct response advertiser, I don't care about brand, like, or they're like, I, this is brand, like this is content, like I don't want to sell. You, I think the mastery comes from doing both together and learning how to sell and persuade in a way where it feels like you're actually just just doing content. Yeah, and in a consultative way, I mentioned you, you know, talking about not overselling, and I find this even in emails that I write about, you know, things that we're, we might be selling at D to C. It, you know, and it and it goes back to the same points that Eli's making about about the native experience essentially. Is that if you're over the top, uh, you know, making offers, making overtures all the time, it's not as effective as when people kind of discover it on their own through curiosity that they, that's sort of more self-directed. So that's, I guess that's obviously the balance. How do you, how do you think about that? Like, do you, it's not like you're, you're hiding your offers anywhere, right? 
I mean, we don't really make a ton of offers. Um, it's our offers take the quiz, so there's really no, you know, there's really kind of no kind of hardcore offers. We'll we'll test. I'm pretty excited. I'm I'm a big fan of gift with purchases. Like we actually just ran one. I think that's a, a really great, you know, on brand whatever you want to call it, not discounting way to, to make an offer where. Uh, I think you're you're able to get a, a really compelling offer, but do it in a way where it still kind of you know gives gives your keeps your brand equity, whatever whatever you want to call it. But I think yeah, I think even if you are going to make offer, it's kind of like that that Gary V. Like what is it? It's like jab 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 right hook. Like yeah, you, you just should be giving way more. Like our our average watch times in some of these ads were like 16 seconds. Just because, and again, most people are happy with like a four to five second average watch time, just because there's value in the person kind of watching these videos and then they share them, we get way more comments. There's a, there's a ton of value given, but I think um, the, the way to think about it, make your offer at the end of the video, right? You know, if somebody's making it to the end of the video, it means that you've actually given them value throughout the video. And hopefully whatever your, you know, your unique mechanism or kind of like your main kind of concept in the video, you've gotten that across if somebody's made it to the end, and then then you can make an offer without it feeling like it's a sales thing. Uh, now I got to bring this up. Northbeam actually just signed on to sponsor the newsletter. Shout out Northbeam. You know I know you're you're a huge uh, Northbeam stan, and I, I imagine you probably have looked at a few of these different tools. I'm just curious, what is it about Northbeam that makes them the best in your view? Yeah, of course, definitely. I think you just have to have confidence in your data. Um, and me not being necessarily the most technical, like I can't go and read code and, and stuff like that. I think, you know, number number one, it's it's kind of team. You know, they've been at this kind of for a while and longer than in other platforms. And I, and I really like the team. I really trust the team. I, I feel like, um, you know, there's just a lot of integrity over there. And it just seems like... Um, what they've built is really special and they have a lot of, they're they're very transparent about kind of the limitations and I don't find that all platforms are transparent about that, that at all. I also don't trust ones that kind of popped up overnight and have just, you know, just kind of come, because it probably, it's a very complicated thing and I don't trust anybody that can build this right away. I don't trust anybody like, like Hyros that's making like out, outrageous claims. So I think trust is kind of the most important thing. And then the team, and then I think you know, just just social proof. Kind of everyone that I I was using another tool that I won't name, but wasn't having that much confidence in it. And everyone I was talking to, like brands and media buyers that I really look up to, that are really doing some great things and, and scaling and working with some big brands. So many of them were using Northbeam and had such great things to say. Uh, so in all transparency, you know, I am an advisor. I have a relationship with them, but it started very very organically first, just because I I was such a fan and I really wanted to partner with them because it's it's a tool that. I couldn't not use it at this point. Uh, it's so important and I use it every single day and it gives me so much confidence in like the decisions that we're making. Okay, so there's two things looming. One of them is Q4. Uh, the other is a potential recession. I'm I'm just interested. I don't know where we want to start first on the the positive or negative, but let's start with recession. What what do you what what are you advising or, or how do you think about a potential upcoming recession or do you think about it? Um, let's Eli, maybe maybe jump jump to you first couple of things. Uh, lipstick index. Um, I think lipstick is going to be the, beauty is going to be the last thing to go. Uh, number two, I actually wrote about this in the newsletter that went out this morning is like, you know, the first thing that's going to go in my fridge is the bougie D to C aioli. The last thing that's going to go is my Heinz ketchup and Starbucks coffee. Like I think it's, it's the, the brands that have sustained for a hot minute are, are not going to go in a recession as quickly as the who, you know, what, what Shrey calls the who needs it type brands. You know, the brands that have built their business through Facebook arbitrage are probably about to have a rough couple of years. And you know what? It's like, it's inevitable. I think at a time, you know, you, you build in a gold rush and then kind of when the when the water washes away, you you kind of reap the... Per, 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 you, the reap, you reap it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'm... I'm Long having, week. Exactly. Um, I'm, I'm having a moment. But uh, essentially... You know, the brands that people don't fucking need, like those are the ones that are going to go first. And I think, you know, that's kind of, at Jones, you know, a lot of what we talk about is creating a brand that makes people feel something. You know, Bobby's been at this for quite a couple of years, you know, pushing this mission of feeling confident in your skin, looking like yourself, but better. These aren't things that go away when when people are struggling a little bit. And I, I think... At almost every brand I've worked at, there was this similar space where people are willing to invest a little bit 
more in something that makes them feel a certain kind of way. With Olipop, it was the indulgence, right? It's like, yeah, a $3 soda is probably going to struggle in a recession. I don't think it'll be the first thing to go in people's fridges because they've built a brand relationship with them. I think instead of buying a case of Pepsi, they'll buy two cans of Olipop maybe. And I think that's the most important thing. So when it comes to CX and retention, it's, you know, Cody and I were chatting about this the other day. It's like, how many brands do you think can stay alive by just their current customers plus word of mouth without spending a dollar on paid acquisition. Not many, but you know who can? Apple probably can, right? So it's like brands that have built an, an audience of super fans, and, and obviously Apple is an anomaly, but there are, there are plenty of brands that have built an, a, an audience of super fans. And yeah, I don't know if they can last three years on no, no u, new user acquisition, but I think you know, brands that have built a strong relationship with their consumers have, have over-delivered on, on expectations. I think those brands are are going to be doing just fine and the you know the who needs it brands might might struggle a lot more than that but that's my kind of repercussions I like it that I was having trouble saying Repric- oh there's the word you yeah. got the word it out me, I like it took that's me a couple right of, couple of minutes there but hey and the low key style of of Jones Road Beauty like it's it's not like an over the top glam like it'll fit right in like if if we go like full dust bowl great depression it'll just be <laughs> just like low I key. sure hope we don't go there but <laughs> <laughs> I hope we're not going dust yeah. bowl uh, Cody, what about what about on the ad side? I know you're going to say the word incrementality at some point, so let's just um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we went through so, acquisition. We went through um, we went through attribution. All so the incrementality is yeah. coming. Yeah. yeah. No, so I, I I 100% agree with everything that Eli said. You know, fortunately, it seems like cosmetics are are uh, one of the last things to kind of go because people want to feel good when things aren't going very well. Uh, so that's fortunate, and I, and I agree with all all everything else we said. I think one thing is funny, like. When iOS hit, everyone was just like, "Oh man, like we gotta we we gotta do this now. We gotta do this now." It's like we gotta focus on creative. We gotta build landing pages. We gotta understand tracking. Like we gotta build a brand. We gotta do email. And to me, it's like everything that we should have been doing from the beginning. We just kind of took it for granted because times were so good. And you know, when I talk to other people or hear other people talk about a recession, it's kind of very similar. It's like you gotta manage cash flow. You gotta cut expenses. You know, you gotta do this and that. And it's like it's it's probably. And again, I'm not trying to do this on like a soapbox or high horse, but like it's really the stuff that I think we should all be kind of working on, regardless. Um, obviously, you know, cash and cash flow being the most important factor because you know, you might slow down, growth might slow down, you might hit, you might miss forecasts and projections. Um, and you just have to do that in a way where that's not going to kill you. And you have to kind of, you know, kind of play a little bit of a doomsday worst case scenario in your forecast. If you're, if, if, you know, there's some kind of expectations there, but I think, yeah, you just, again, you got to do the fundamentals, but I also think, you know, I I don't want this to kind of sound, um, insensitive or anything like that, but I do think for a lot of brands and fast growing brands that are going to kind of take this opportunity to capture some market share, CPMs might be lower. There might be less competitions, less new brands, you know, coming about people being much more conservative with, with their media buys. Uh, so I, I totally see it as an opportunity to kind of actually grow pretty hard and, uh, you know, take some market share. Cody's got his wartime CMO hat on. Uh-huh. I love it. You're a wartime CMO. You get the red lights up behind you and here we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. We're definitely experiencing being a, land, a bit of a land grab on the lead gen side right now. We're just, we're getting the lowest lead gen cost we've ever got for newsletter subscribers so we're just sort of making hay while the sun is shining. And I wonder if that's just the effect of like, okay, here's an objective that Meta feels they can deliver really easily. And then it's like this low hanging fruit, whereas maybe some of the other higher, you know, value advertisers have pulled out. I don't, I don't know. I want to, I want to just open the floor. Are there any other tools that you guys are using right now that, uh, that, that you're really loving for either the CX or the acquisition side? Big, gorgeous guy. I love Peel, which we've mentioned. Love Retently. We're we're big on Junip for reviews. What's Varos? I saw you tweeting about Varos, Cody. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. So like, if you've ever wondered like, how does my cat compare? It's, it's so funny because I'll see people on Twitter all the time. They'll be like, "Hey, is our is Facebook conversion rate down for everybody?" And like, <laughs> half the people will will Ever be like, "Yes," yeah. and then half the people will be like, "No, I'm crushing it." Right. So if you've ever wondered that, like, Varos is perfect for that. Essentially, what it does is you plug in. It's currently free to use, I believe. And you can get benchmarking data. So you can get benchmarking data on Shopify. So things like revenue growth, AOV, conversion rate. 
Uh, you can even get some really cool like cohort repeat purchase stuff like that, which is really cool. You can do it based on your, you know, the size of your brand as well as your, your vertical. Um, but you can also do it based on like Facebook and TikTok. So I'll get a weekly email. It'll be like your cost per purchase was up 14% compared to your market average, which was down 14% this week. So it's kind of cool to a, just like evergreen see opportunities, be like, Oh, you know what? Like our click through rate is pretty good compared to other people, but like, I think we can improve our conversion rate. But it's, so it's good for that. It's also good to be like, oh, you know what? Like we're seeing a slowdown and it's not just us. Like it's, it seems to be pretty common or hey, everyone else is crushing it and we're not doing well. Like what, what's going on? Good little thermometer so that you're not just uh, whistling Dixie on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Which is what we love to do. <laughs> um, okay. The 50K question then. I, I don't know if you guys want to collab on this, but I want to know like what, what your updated use of $50,000. I'm giving it all to Cody. Okay, we're, giving, give it, it okay, we're giving it all to Cody. Cody, where are you putting $50,000 but with your wartime CMO hat? Um, I think I told you YouTube ads last year, last time we chatted, 100%. We're about to scale YouTube hard. It's going to be a giant channel for us, huge unlock. We, we literally just started like a GeoLift test today, uh, which I'm super excited about just to measure incrementality. Uh, there we go. There he but, goes. Uh, Bingo. I had to get that word in. But yeah, <laughs> for, for us, absolutely 100% YouTube. Amazing. So you'll have 100K for that now. You saved it up in your yeah. In your, do I, does it roll over? Yeah, it rolls over. Yeah. And you got your wartime, <laughs> your, your war chest. Nice. Anything else you guys want to shout out? I know you, you guys are always so dialed in with other brands out there. Any other D 2 C brands that are that you're loving? Are you have you and have you made any videos related to the corn kid yet? Do you have any ads related to that that damn oh, corn no, kid? No corn kid for us. No corn kid ads. I feel like Bobby should do a corn a corn video. Yeah. Um, Miracle bomb. What other brands do we love? I mean, I never shut up about Mad Happy. Love Huron, which is a skincare brand um, that I, I think that was my second ever check that I wrote. So a very proud investor. Um, what other brands do I absolutely love? My brain just goes blank. It's funny for for a guy that's like living in this space very deep. Like there's almost nothing that kind of like blows my mind. Maybe it's because I'm just a pessimistic Jewish kid. Um, but there's something about just like it takes a lot to to impress me. I'm just I think it's because I'm dialed in. It's like every single part of the experience has to kind of blow me away. And it's like some of the brands that I love most, I'll reach out with a question. It'll take them five days to answer, and I'm like, fuck this. You're dead I don't to me. like you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Cody, any any big new favorites recently? You know, I was just thinking about that, and like it's it's hard because there are no brands that I feel like are crushing it across the board. I feel like there are brands that do certain things well. Like I said, I think Seed does an amazing job with with their influencer program, and I really respect them for that. You know, I pretty much everything I wear is Vuri, so I think that they have the most amazing clothes in the world. I'm not that impressed by their marketing, but I guess you don't have to have the, the best marketing if your clothes are absolutely amazing. Um, and they took, like, what, a zillion dollars from SoftBank? Oh, yeah, they did. So. Um, you know, Hexclad, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with Hexclad. I th- I'm trying to convince my wife to get some knives. She wants Mac knives, but I think the Hexclad ones look great. Uh, I've also aren't heard... They nor- aren't they using North Meme? They are, they are. Yeah, they're, and they're, they're crushing it. Time you get it. a connect. They're, 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 I, I got to connect, but they're crushing it. Um, Hexclad, if you're listening, send this man yeah. some pots and no, pans. No, no. So, He's having a baby. Great, He's I've building a house. About them. Um, Graza, actually, I love. Graza, I don't know if you guys have yeah. tried that. We just got some sent sent some to the office. Oh, nice. I like literally can't go back. It's, it's <laughs> not only is it really cool looking and, and is the olive oil really good, but also it's so convenient to just squirt out of there instead of having to like take the top off and like spin it. Yeah. So and you feel like a pro chef because that's what they do. They just you squirt do. that in the pan. Yeah. Amazing. You, I see that on the bear. You know, you just, you don't need You feel to, like uh, an artist kind of. Wait, Eric, let me throw that back at you. What are, what are your kind of favorite D2C brands that are delivering to you in Canada? I feel like I've just been in a in a non-buying tunnel. I just basically wear like my company swag and I drink out of my company Yeti, so I'll I'll just say Yetis. I'm just trying to think like that's like I don't I don't, I haven't made like a purchase in a while, so I'll have to get back to you on that. I just and I just live off of the free shit that people send me from the podcast. Amazing. Amazing. So it's it, dream. it works. It, it is a dream. I, I what, what about what about Hero Cosmetics? What you got a word about Hero Cosmetics? I just saw the news yesterday about that of their crazy balance sheet. Yeah. I, I think what's incredible it, it's an incredible win for the space, just in terms of like a business that's been built. You know, like whether they built on Amazon or raised or didn't raise, they they built it really in a profitable way. I mean, the margins are insane. Um, it's obvious that you know this is a, a big time acquisition from a, a monster conglomerate, and I think it's just. It's it's a testament to Ju and the way she's been building this. I mean, 
profitability, margins. Um, I mean, incredible team, incredible products. Cody, anything to add on that? $630 million, by the way. If you're listening and you didn't know about this, Hero Cosmetics was acquired by Church and Dwight for $630 million for the pimple patch. Yeah, I think, I think a few different things. I think, number one, you know, uh, cat- another kind of, you know, not to category creation. I think if you can create a category... Uh, there's, you know, incredible growth that you can do there uh, and and tons of brand loyalty. I also think, you know, not only can you create it, but you have to be the best in it. Also, if you can't create it, you just need to be the best. And everybody I've talked to that has used Hero has just said, you know, far and away, it's it's the best kind of pimple, you know, patch that they've ever used. And I've used it and I, and I totally agree. So I think that's important. I think, again, like a lot of people will talk about it, but I agree the growth decade is over. So I, I do think, you know, my my very limited knowledge of, you know, uh, this kind of stuff, how, how it works, I, I do think that investors and, and potential buyers are going to be looking for profitability, uh, which is, is really nice to see. Yeah. And then I think, you know, beyond that, you know, I, I don't think DTC is dead at, at all by any means. But I think it kind of totally de- depends on your category, you know, and something like this where you're, you're selling, you know, I think the channel is less important. I guess what I'm trying to say, I think having an amazing business is the most important, regardless of which channel that you choose to sell through. Profitability is the new attribution. <laughs> oh, God. Put yeah. that on a t-shirt. <laughs> that makes no sense. Yeah. Makes no sense. Uh, I'm tweeting that. That could be big. I mean, Eric, the, the, the funny thing that, that kind of we were talking about is like the whole D2C is dead is like D2C should have always been just a sales channel, right? It's like you can you can build a, a crusher of a business. And I mean, Hero is a great example. They were predominantly built on Amazon, from what I understand, until they launched in retail. And now they have a massive retail presence. Like they're D2C, D2C straight on their website to consumer. From what I understand, wasn't a massive part of the business, but like Cody's saying, like you know these these mega conglomerates, um, the buyers what they're looking for is a great business, and 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 full stop. I think it's like D 2 C has its perks of like you're direct consumer, you have the data, you have the relationships and connections. If you're running a shitty business, not growing and and not profitable, it doesn't matter, and and vice versa, right? It's like you can have all the retail. All the retail um, distribution in the world, but if your velocities are garbage, it, it doesn't get you anywhere. So I think it's an insane win for the space, especially at, at that. What is it like five point five x her, her last year's um, their last year's revenue? It's pretty wild, but amazing. So amazing. Well, I think you two are both wins for the space. Appreciate and I want to thank you now. very much for coming on the DDC podcast today. If you're not following these guys, you got to follow them on Twitter and LinkedIn. You'll find information about their various newsletters and podcasts, which you can also enjoy. I think everyone who listens to this podcast would love what you guys are doing as well. So uh, yeah, glad we could reconnect. And I think we should make this at least an annual recatch up and we can uh, shoot the shit and try to keep it casual, like on down to chat, which I think is a great idea. <laughs> I appreciate We're swearing it. more too. That'd be great. Do I get a hundred, do I get 150 K for YouTube yeah, next if, time? Well, if you don't spend it, like if you don't, it, like that's the thing. Uh, I just, uh, I got to keep topping it up, but, uh, but hopefully you'll spend it by then. So you'll have, we can talk about your YouTube results. Absolutely. Nice. All right. Thanks guys. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.